little bit of pressure there. Possession regained, opportunity here for Webb. Webb, he's got Paul Freeman for support, but doesn't need him. And the man who plays his futsal on the south of France says, ooh la la, it's 3-0 for England. Wales have a long, long mountain to climb. Look at the tablet as Deer shoots and gets his first international goal. Look at his celebrations. It's a tremendous finish there, a lovely little touch. He takes it past, past the kit with the sole of his foot, which is such an important part of your foot in futsal. We're always teaching that in the schools, control with the sole. Hey, Patreons, Andy here, and welcome to a bonus little ramble meet, um, which is quite exciting. And I was lucky enough recently to speak to Charlie Hyman about his brilliant career in futsal. Took it up quite late, in his late teens but then progressed really rapidly, took to it like a duck to water, ended up playing for the England national team. And now he manages a football academy in London where he puts to use a lot of the futsal lessons he has learned over the years. He tells us in this how there are a lot of misconceptions over futsal. So he busts and miss, tell us how's it different from five aside and also the real link between futsal and 11 aside football. Really hope you enjoy it. So I guess, like starting from the top, tell us how you got into futsal in the first place. How were you introduced to it? Who introduced you to it? And were you already aware of it before you started to play it? So, yeah, no, I was aware of it, but my perception of what it was was very different from what it actually is, um, which I think is probably the same for, for a lot of people. Um, I actually got into it quite late in the scheme of things um sort of when you compare to other sports obviously if you want to play at a high level then you probably start playing when you're pretty young uh, maybe even before the age of 10 um, but I didn't start playing really till uh just before I went to university so sort of 17 18 um I'd always played a lot of small-sided football um which has similar attributes but definitely is very different um and I joined uh, University of Nottingham and essentially there were football trials and futsal trials. Um, I thought, not sure about playing 11 aside. I'd never been uh, particularly good. I played at school and stuff, but never at sort of any academy level or anything like that. Um, wasn't really physically suited to playing it. Um, so I went along to football and futsal. I got offered, I think, fourth team football. Um, and I got offered a spot basically in, in the futsal squads um, and decided let's give futsal a go basically um, and they had I think three teams um, at Nottingham at that stage started off um, in the third team basically uh, the nice thing with uni obviously is that you can train and play multiple times a week so um, it, it's quick to kind of get up to speed when you've got three or four sessions and, and games every week. So yeah, that's how I first got involved. So you, you talked about the difference between small-sided football and futsal. We'll have a lot of people listening, I suspect, who are keen five-a-side players um, of varying ages and, and varying standards. So what is the difference between futsal and five-a-side? So futsal is a variant of football. So it's governed by uh, the FA um, mm -hmm. and it does share the same rule book bar 
um, a few uh, differences. Uh, the main sort of noticeable ones being um, it's it's 20 minutes a half and it's stop clock. So when the ball goes out, the time stops, similar to basketball. Yeah. Um, it, it's 5v5 with a goalkeeper. Um, one or two common kind of misconceptions are that the ball can't go over head height. It definitely can. Uh, and the other one is that you can play off the walls, which is also a myth. Um, there are sidelines and when it goes out, it's a kick in. Um, <laughs> what else is different? You've got four seconds to take kick-ins and corners. Um, you can't play directly back to the goalkeeper if the goalkeeper rolls it out to you. So that either the other team's got to touch it or it's got to go out basically before you can give it straight back. Um, you get five fouls in a half and then any foul after that is a 10 meter penalty to the opposition is another right. weird rule. Uh, outside of that, it's, it's pretty much, um, pretty much follows the same sort of rules. It's rolling subs as well is another mm. one. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fast. It's obviously indoors played in a sports hall. Uh, the goals are, uh, sort of handball size. So two meters by three meters, um, and it's not a rule, but typically players are on the court for sort of three to six minutes at a time. It's very, very right. high intensity. So it's sort of sprint, 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 switch off, new player comes on. Again, quite similar to, to a basketball or something where there's a lot of quick transitions and it's um, really demanding on your cardio for a short space of time. So talking of misconceptions, Charlie, um a lot of futsal goals are scored from set pieces. Do you want to explain why set pieces are so important in futsal? Yeah. Um, I think again, similar to a basketball, the um, opportunities that come from kick-ins and corners in futsal um, are a lot more dangerous essentially than football. I think obviously the kick-ins being well, with a much smaller core or pitch size than football you essentially should be looking to get a shot off from any kick-in that is in the opposition's half. Um, the other thing is that you have set plays in play. So again, like basketball, where you've got a small number of players and you can have particular movements or patterns of passing um, within open play, uh, that obviously offers a lot more options um, where in football, I guess, because there's so many players on the pitch, it's quite hard to have um, particular rotations that happen in play um, but yeah you have sort of banks of set pieces saved up so um, you've got free kicks corners and kick-ins where teams will have tens if not more of different variations depending on which players are on court how the opposition set up if you've got left footers on right footers on all these sorts of things um, but yeah the majority of goals are actually scored from counter-attacks um, because of the nature of how, how many transitions there are, basically. So if you win the ball halfway down the court, you might immediately have a 2v1 or a 3v2, and that should be a goal, really. Uh, and then the next sort of percentile is set pieces, and then you come to actually open play, um, which is a minority of actually the goals that are scored, I guess. That's, that's quite interesting, the fact that, counter-attacking is so important in futsal because I mean for a while say the Premier League for example has, has, has been 
a fight for the right to counterattack is something we see in lots of other uh, major teams in in European football. So do you think that potential correlation between the two sports is an advantage to futsal going forward and kind of makes it easier to sell for, I guess, players, young players who have aspirations in the professional 11-a-side game? Definitely, yeah. I think it's... I like to sum it up as like all the best bits of football bundled up into a, a more <laughs> exciting, uh, more fast-paced game. But yeah, essentially, if you think in a football match, you sort of win it on the halfway line, you might have a 6v5, let's say, with, mm. I don't know, 80 yards or 60 yards to travel to get to the goal. Whereas in futsal, you're 15 metres from the goal and it's a 2v1 or a 3v2. So obviously the chances of of making or sort of taking that advantage of having an overload and a counter-attack um, are much higher. So yeah, for, for players who, who want to develop and might want a career in the 11-a-side game, being able to practice um, and get more repetitions of those um, different scenarios where they win the ball and they have to make quick decisions. Do I dribble? Do I pass? Do I get my shot off? Um, through futsal, you basically get get the chance to, to do those things both more times, but also uh, under more kind of time pressure um, and, and in tighter spaces, which obviously challenges you both technically and, and psychologically. Um, and so when you then step onto a football pitch, you've actually got five metres of space instead of one and three seconds on the ball instead of one. So it, it almost <laughs> makes it easier. So I wanted to go back to your own futsal career, Charlie, because um, from getting into what the third team at university, it was quite a stratospheric rise, really. You know, you got quite quickly to a really, really good level. Um, you start playing for serious futsal teams. You start playing futsal abroad later down the line. Tell us how it all snowballed and how it became such a high priority, a high priority in your life. Yeah, so I think university had um, a big part to play in that. The the futsal um, sort of competition at university level is strong. Um, and so I kind of worked my way up through the university teams and by second year, at Nottingham, I was playing for the, the university first football um, futsal team. Um, and then essentially you have the university league and then obviously a national league with clubs. Um, mm. And I started playing for pro futsal who competed at that um, time in what was the second tier of kind of club futsal in the country. So division two. Um, and yeah, played played there uh, through second and third year. Finished university, um, came back to London where where I grew up, um, where I live now, um, and decided that I kind of wanted to challenge myself um, and play in the highest tier, which pro futsal weren't a part of at the time, um, and joined Helvetia, who are um, the most sort of decorated club within English futsal. They've won the most titles and uh, represented. Uh, England in the Champions League of Futsal the most times mm. um, and yeah I think it's it's one of those things where it's not professional in England it's it's not even really semi-pro so 
it's a massive commitment and time to go and train three nights a week, um, sort of unpaid and travel up and down the country um, on Sundays to, to play to play in the league. Um, just to give a bit of context, the um, at the moment you've got a national futsal series, which is the top level of futsal in the country, made up of eight clubs, um, and they play at central venues every Sunday. So, for example, Manchester will host all the clubs on a Sunday, and there'll be four games in a row, one after the other, and then the next week right. will be hosted by someone else. Uh, and then below that, you've got, um, similar to the conference, a kind of north-south split for Division 2. Uh, and then below that, you've got kind of regional, well, you've got north, middle and south, and then regional leagues. So that's that's the current infrastructure. Um, so I'm now playing, I'm back at Pro Futsal now, they're in the, the top division. Um, they got promoted a couple of years ago when the league structures changed. Um, and yeah, about to play a well i say a season they've <laughs> they've missed most of the season but once um adults sport is allowed back indoors on the 17th of may they're looking to basically play out the 2020 2021 season in a condensed format over five sundays so that they have a winner that can then go and represent england in the champions league so yeah looking forward to, to playing in that with pro futsal this this summer so having represented England as well I mean how was that for you and how aware did that make you of the different uh, projection of futsal in different countries yeah so um that came about um sort of towards the end of uni they have quite a lot of like talent um ID days they call them where essentially like the best players from universities come together and then uh i was put forward ended up going along to uh a training camp which is at st george's park in the futsal hall that they have there um and yeah just again similar to to the club side went along kept getting invited back um training playing um i think as a sort of as a futsal nation uh, or as a nation that wants to become a futsal nation we're definitely not a futsal nation um, it's uh, it's useful for people to understand that sort of the England national team are around 50th or they were uh, 55th, something like that in the world. Um, but the gap between sort of the top 15 to the next batch of maybe 20 countries is massive. So mm. we might have a close game with someone who's 40, 45th. But if we play 12th or 13th, it's going to be 20 nil. Um, you're playing against top sort of professional athletes who get to get paid um, to play full time, whereas uh, bar two or three of the Eng- England lads, um, everyone's sort of doing it as a hobby essentially. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's great that um, the England were well, the FA were investing in kind of futsal. They see it as both um, a sport in its own right and something that um, we should be represented for on a national stage, but also as a tool for football development and something that kids and young players um, in academies should be playing in order to to create better footballers essentially which is um which has been kind of proven um in spain and brazil and portugal uh, where kids grow up playing playing futsal regularly as part of part of their development um yeah 
I mean, how aware were you, Charlie, before you started and really got into the belly of the beast, how much that was the case? I mean, um, for, for, for me, like as a relative futsal novice, when I go abroad to other European countries, and especially, as you say, Spain and Portugal is huge. And, you know, the, the, the guys who who play are at a different level, it's, it's national news. I mean... Was this a frustration for you when you started to realize this, when you started to realize the gap between how seriously it's treated in other countries, especially some European countries and England, or did you see it as an opportunity, an area of growth or or both? Yeah, I think both. It's, it's, it's growing really, really quickly. Um, and the, the growth has been visible definitely over the last two, three years. The amount of kind of recreational futsal and youth futsal that's happening um, is tripled probably, if not more, compared to a few years ago, which is great to see. Um, but as you say, in the scheme of things, it's still relatively unknown. Um, I was having a, a conversation the other day about kind of what's the future and what's next, which we may come on to um, mm shortly but essentially it all boils down to the fact that there just isn't a big enough audience yet um and most people even really really avid football fans aren't aware of futsal don't know that kind of england had futsal um, teams and there's a national league so creating awareness and growing the number of um, both adults and kids playing regularly and recreationally it is a must if we're to ever get anywhere near these countries where that is sort of part of the culture already. Um, and there's obviously a few reasons behind that. Weather being one, they play um, sort of on outdoor futsal courts all year round, whereas here um, you don't want to be playing on a on a hard um, sort of multi-use games area mid-December. Um, but but yeah, that's that's something that it is growing, but one we need to be patient and two we need to look at how we can accelerate that growth if we want to um get near to um the countries that that we've already mentioned so so talking about those countries which countries futsal culture do you most admire and most like to sort of magpie bits of do you think um i think it is um brazil and then probably portugal and spain but even then a lot of um, those playing in Portugal and Spain have come from South America. Um, yeah. There's that whole sort of well-known co- culture of um, street football, um, which it may not be sort of like official futsal games, but where you have like four or five kids playing on that hard surface um, in South America is very, very similar um, to what they would play if it was kind of an official game with marked out lines and, and all those sorts of things. Whereas here, it's a, it's, it's much. Uh, we go down the route of well, you're sort of seven years old. Cool, you're going to be playing on this grass pitch. It's six v six. Here's your referee. Sunday league, all that kind of stuff. That we we've I guess moved away from that culture of unstructured uh, play that maybe kids ten years ago, fifteen years ago had, where they would go into the street and play three v three with some of the kids from the end of the road or from the block next to them. Um, and that's that's almost disappearing where all the sport they get is very, very organized, structured drills, training, matches within leagues that's officiated. 
Um, so you lose that kind of uh, element and unstructured play environment that I think is is so beneficial for those young players. I mean, as a coach, Charlie, you'll know this better than me, and we'll come on to your your, your coaching and your academy in a in a little bit. Um, but I mean, it always seems to me that when you talk about um, small kids playing on pitches that are too big with proper refs and games that are too long and all, all, all that sort of stuff, it seems to me that that's a, a demand from the parents, really, and uh, harking back to, to their sort of days of what they feel that organised football should be. Whereas where I um, was born and grew up and actually still live in, 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 in South London, it's really interesting, I think, the sort of talent factory that we've had from estates around here. And I think maybe there's a link between like cage football, when you have the little sort of cages on estates, these little small outdoor pitches that you, you were kind of talking about before. And you look at the sort of players that have graduated from that, players who whose skill sets that we wouldn't think a, a necessarily traditional English football footballer skill sets are, you know, players like Wilfred Zahar, Jaden Sancho, who grew up in Kennington playing cage football, where the trick is king rather than necessarily physical power or something like that. I mean, do you think that changing of culture in people under 30, under, under 25, is something that provides a window, an opportunity, an appetite for for futsal if you can connect with those kind of kids? Yeah, definitely. I think the first thing to say is both are important. You need that unstructured um, sort of street football um, mm. as well as the structured um, coaching. I'm, yeah, I, I definitely i am not against, for example, um, Jaden Sancho, whatever, joining Watford Academy as a kid and getting superb coaching at the best facilities mm. from a young age because that's definitely beneficial but it can't be at the detriment of him also going out and as you say uh sort of playing in his cage with his mates you get all sorts of different benefits i mean one of them is that you play against all sorts of different kids kids who are four years older kids who are three years younger that in itself mm. is a challenge um one of the, the main misconceptions as well with, with futsal specifically is that it's all kind of tricks and flicks where actually it's mm. it's very much not. It's more a case of patterns of movement, patterns of passing, uh, making quick decisions. There's very rarely the kind of YouTube nutmegs and skills that <laughs> people think that futsal is all about. Um, and yeah. actually that is the sort of stuff that you will pick up playing on those cages where you haven't got much time and space. You might be playing four players v three. You've got to deal with it under pressure. You've got to be quick and know what you're going to do with the ball before it comes to you. All these different things um, that are just heightened by that smaller space with more players in it um, that you won't get when you're doing a pattern of passing for a seven-a-side session with, with one of your grassroots coaches. So when we're talking about the future for for futsal there was an announcement in um september that the fa were cutting funding for futsal and for a lot of other areas of of grassroots football how did this affect you and how did you take that yeah i mean it 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 came as a shock i think um it was well publicized that obviously the fa have have um had to cut back 
due to losses from COVID. Um, but the shock was the fact that they decided to fully uh, sort of wipe out the futsal program as opposed to kind of making uh, similar size cuts as a sort of percent of the overall budget across the board. Yeah. So um, the the kind of the futsal budget as a whole um, basically funds the part of the, the national leagues, but mainly the under 19s, under 23s and first team. And their costs are, of course, training, travel, going to compete in games, kit, staff, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but as a whole budget, we're talking under £2 million. So right. for the FA, quite a small amount of money um, and definitely something where they could have said, right, we'll cut 30% of your budget, which is already more than they've cut in other areas. But mm. uh, the, the kind of the decision or the reasoning behind the decision that they publicised was essentially that they wanted to focus the strapped resources that they did have on um, winning international competitions. So basically they looked at futsal and went, you're not going to win the Euros or the World Cup, you're miles off. So it makes sense for us to cut the funding, which is completely spot on. We're not, we're a long way off. But I think they've missed a big trick there in terms of the wider benefits of futsal, both from a grassroots and recreational side for getting people active um, and taking part in in a great sport, but also from a football development standpoint, I think um, you will lose a lot of um, kids coming through, maybe age like 10 up to, to early 20s who might have had aspirations of representing the national team, but now aren't interested in playing futsal because there's that kind of um, prestige and um, the goal that was there is now gone. So, I mean, there's there's loads that I think they're, they're going to miss out on. Um, and I definitely don't agree with the decision, um, especially uh, as recently there have been some kind of really great um, proven examples where players um, such as Max Kilman, um, who is now starting for Wolves in the Premier League, um, have come through futsal. So he was playing non-league for, for Maidstone whilst playing uh, futsal for, for Halvesia um, and a few other clubs previous to that. Um, training twice a week, playing futsal on the weekends, playing futsal for England. Uh, and then he's gone and signed for, for Wolves in the Premier League. And he, he will be the first to say that a massive part of his development was playing futsal regularly. Um, and there's definitely other examples where, um, where that's the same. There's a, um, a boy called Zach Brunt at Sheffield United, um, been in the first team squad recently, played futsal with him um, as well at uni. Um, he's played for kind of the England 19s as well. So th there's definitely examples. And I think even just from those two, the FA should be looking and thinking, wow, we should definitely be um, trying to get some funding to, to get this up and running again. And all that is important, of course, in, in terms of producing a, a wave of talent and in, in producing players from different backgrounds that think differently. But and I know you're slightly biased on this subject because uh, you founded Bloomsbury Football, a, a charity in London that's focused on youth development and you're a coach. But what you touched on before then about wider um, health benefits and, and well-being benefits, I mean, particularly in a year that the pandemic has, has really 
threatened the ability of a, a lot of young children, especially young children growing up on estates, in, in terms of them being able to to get that outside well-being and, and, and connect with other kids and, and, and stuff like that. I, I mean, say, for example, Iceland's football development program a lot of which is indoors of course because of the the weather there it's based around every child regardless of their ability having access to a certain standard of coaching so do you feel that's something that has been missed that futsal can provide in this country yeah i think it's um it, I mean, the first thing to say is similar to Iceland, we have issues, which everyone knows about, with weather around winter and grass pitches. There aren't enough mm. um, artificial pitches to go around. And every year, eight, ten games, weekends are called off because of awful weather. Um, and futsal being indoors is something that can be played all year round. Um, there's the opportunity both for yeah kids and adults to play um, in terms of sort of widening access to it. I think the coaching side is something that needs to be worked on. The FA do have um, sort of courses and training for futsal coaches, but there needs to be uh, a lot more exposure around them. And we need to be trying to push more coaches to uh, gain qualifications specifically in futsal for us to be able to improve the knowledge and improve the quality of delivery so that you have um, proper futsal sessions with futsal content being delivered rather than a football coach who's putting on five-a-side in a sports hall. Mm. Um, what, one thing that is um, kind of being explored at the moment is also whether futsal can come into the school PE curriculum, um, which would obviously, again, help with exposure, getting kids excited about it and understanding the rules and uh, sort of taking part uh, in futsal as a sport in its own right, as opposed to again like just football in the sport in the sports hall. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if I was yeah, if, if I'm running kind of a team or trying to develop young players, I would definitely have a futsal session um, as part of of the program. Um, and that is, as you mentioned, something we do um, at Bloomsbury Football with with our young players. Um, and then adults, yeah, there's there's so many after work kind of leagues and, and Sunday leagues so I think with those being mostly full or in massively high demand I think there's massive space for adults to get involved in in futsal uh, recreationally or in or in leagues as well. So tell us Charlie about what made you found Bloomsbury I mean it must come from your ideas and your deeply held convictions about how beneficial futsal can be to people of all ages but there is quite a, a social and pastoral element to it isn't there definitely yeah there's there's two main things so um as you alluded to um i've i've been coaching uh myself probably from 15 16 when i just started sort of helping out with my younger brother's team and, and absolutely loved it um and basically for four or five years before i finished uni there were two kind of key things that stood out to me one again that we've already discussed was the quality of, of coaching um and the quality of service overall uh i i just saw what was being delivered uh, across the board really and just thought there's no reason why 
the facilities being used aren't nice they're not good pitches the equipment is awful the communication's poor the coaching's rubbish all these sorts mm. of things there should be a much much better level of service for kids um, and the second thing was um, that people were being priced out of taking part um, especially in London where things cost a lot pitches are incredibly expensive to rent um, yeah. demand far outweighs supply um, of space um, so you had kind of clubs where it was these are all the kids who can afford to play and oh, these are all the kids that can't they're in a different team they never mix they don't speak to each other so it, it was those two things it was a case of let's set something up where one everyone gets a superb really really high quality experience and service but two mm. let's make sure it's accessible for every young person um, whether they can afford to pay full price or, or need to be fully subsidized to take part so that was kind of the aim that i set out with and yeah two three years later um going strong like sort of getting young people involved is is the easy part we're in london kids want to play football if you uh if you run good quality football sessions and make them affordable for everyone you're going to have a lot of kids it's it's more a case of kind of finding facilities and um good good coaches that that's the challenge for us and how have you dealt with the pandemic i mean presumably a, a lot of coaching and and training has has had to go online I, I mean i'm sure you're chomping at the bit to to get out there now now we're coming out of this but how have you and bloomsbury football coped with the last year yeah it's been um it's been tough in parts um good in others um we have used the time really well if i if i look back and i'm honest about it i think we've actually benefited in a lot of ways from that that break from um the day-to-day -day where everything's go 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 we need to be at this pitch these sessions this equipment etc mm. it's been nice to step back and have time to kind of plan sort out our processes um organize ourselves better uh yeah about sort of 80 90 percent of what we do went online um did kind of everything we can uh similar to most other organizations online training sessions quizzes all that all that jazz um we kind of sent footballs out to every every kid um so that they had a ball to play with which was nice um and just tried to stay in touch we were fortunate that a lot of um our participants uh decided to continue to kind of contribute financially as a donation which helped us um kind of keep our our great staff on board um and then we we managed to continue running in in a few schools for vulnerable children and, and children of key workers um so there was a little bit of coaching still going on um but yeah amazing to be back out obviously everyone's so excited we opened up again um last monday uh, and uh in full flow with kind of easter holiday programs at the moment um we've we're running um some holiday activity hubs on behalf of the local authorities where free school meal children can come along um and basically get a day of free sport and activity um as well as a meal uh, which is brilliant and, and much needed obviously having been locked away for months with 
their exercise. So clearly it's really grown. I mean, you're the CEO, but you've got a good size staff now. It's clear it's something that's really struck a chord, as, as you say, and something that's going well. So where next? What do you hope to do? Do you think it's possible to create stronger relationships in professional football with clubs and other coaches? And how do you see that panning out? Yeah, so we've got kind of two main aims. One is obviously give more children the opportunity to take part in our programs. Um, we've got kind of an internal discussion going on about whether we open more and run more in similar areas to where we are currently or whether we run less but over a larger geographic area. There's kind of pros and cons to both. Mm. Um, the second kind of key aim is just to increase the quality of what we do. So like the depth with which we engage each participant that, that comes along, how can we do more for them, help them both on and off the pitch. Um, and yeah, for, for us, it's just a case of balancing the speed at which we grow with um, making sure that we're sustainable financially in, in the way we go about it. So it's, it's something that we're really keen to push and grow. The model definitely is working. Um, it's just a case of, yeah, trying to kind of grow quickly, but then make sure that the quality doesn't drop, take on good people um, that, that we can trust to, to run um, a great service. But yeah, we want to keep growing um, and, and do as much as we can really with the resources that we have. Finally, Charlie, it's fantastic um, what you do in communities and um, helping out children of all backgrounds. But having got into futsal as an adult yourself, if you're speaking to an adult who likes a game of five-a-side now and then, is interested to know more, what are the benefits of, of getting involved? And what encourage them, make your pitch, come on. <laughs> Make my pitch. Good question. So I think the opportunities with futsal um, versus kind of recreational five-a-side um, are greater in that there's the opportunity to go and play in kind of uh, both regional, depending on your level, or maybe kind of a national league, um, even if you're kind of just starting out. I think... Um, you will enjoy the structure of the game more than kind of your typical five-a-side down at Power League or goals after work. Um, but for me, it's 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 a, it's very very different. But until you give it a go, you won't realise how different it is. Um, it's it's more about kind of the decision-making and the movement element and understanding space and where your teammates are than kind of the uh, physical kind of hit and run of a, of a five-a-side game <laughs> uh, with, yeah, with your mates down at Power League. So once you start to play and you start to understand and learn the movements, you'll see kind of how interesting um, it is to play um, and how much goes into um, the game in terms of thought and tactics. Um, so as a starting point, I would say watch a bit of futsal would be the best thing. People have, most people have never actually just gone on YouTube and watched a bit of like Spanish league futsal. You'll be like, mm. wow, this is 
completely different from what I thought it was going to be. Um, so take a look at that. And then, yeah, have a look at your local your local futsal league. Um, have a look at clubs um, that are often advertising to players. Most have kind of development teams or um, recreational sides that, that are usually open to new players. So, yeah, get along, try it out. Um, and if you've got any questions, I'm always happy to to try and get more people into futsal and spread the word. So, yeah, don't be shy. Well, it's it's snowing in South London currently, so that's made me want to get out there for sure. Get out in a sports hall. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Out of the snow. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.